please turn to John chapter 1. I'll read from verse 19. And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptising. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So this morning we're going to consider Jesus the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. We'll start with a very simple question, just to get your brains working and to focus your thoughts on what we're going to consider. And the question I ask you is, why did the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, come into the world? Easy question, isn't it? Perhaps someone would like to answer that one. Why did Jesus come into the world? Was it to feed hungry people? He came to die. Oh, he came to die. For any particular reason? So he could rise again and uh, we could be set free. Okay, so Jesus came to die so that he could rise again so that we could be set free. So he died for us, yeah? How about this one, if we, to quote the scriptures, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That says it all, doesn't it? Straight from the scriptures, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. And so it is, that on the church notice board outside we have those words, we preach Christ crucified. I think that text has been out there for many, many years. We preach Christ crucified. And may that continue to be the case until Jesus comes again. This Sunday morning is no exception as we meet together to consider the words of John the Baptist in John Chapter 1, verse 29, 
Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John said those words as he heralded the beginning of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a verse that brings together the Old Testament and the New. As I've already said to you, we see the Old Testament feasts, sacrifices being fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what um, John chapter 1 and verse 29 brings to us, a fulfilment of Old Testament, of the Old Testament. Bringing hope, these, these words bring hope and light into a hopeless and sin-darkened world. Each word of John chapter 1 verse 29 is divinely inspired. And when you look at that verse as a whole, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In that verse, what you see is the gospel of Christ. And that is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Power in those words. Power to save to the uttermost. First of all, we can consider the word behold. Look again at verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. If you have another Bible version, you may not have that word behold. You might have look. Admittedly, behold does mean look. But when the one to be looked at is the Lord Jesus Christ, behold conveys so much more meaning than simply looking at him. Normally when you look at something or you look at someone, you don't do it all the time, you do it for a fixed period of time. But when it comes to looking at Jesus, we are we are to behold him and we are not to turn our gaze from him. We continue to look to Jesus. Hence the word behold, behold the Lamb of God. We are to do that so much so that the Bible encourages Christians and we're talking about people who may have been trusting in Jesus for many years, even decades. And the Bible encourages such people to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of their faith, and to consider him. So one might say that beholding Jesus means looking at him and considering him and continuing to do so, day in, day out, whatever whatever else you may be doing. Call it multitasking. Even us men can do that. We can get on with whatever we're doing and still we can behold the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already trusting in Jesus, the time to fix your gaze upon him is now. Don't delay. Don't wait till tomorrow. 
tomorrow may never come. You've probably heard all that before, but it's true. You cannot assume that tomorrow will come. So you fix your gaze upon Jesus and you behold him today without delay. Secondly, we can consider whom precisely we are to behold. Again, look at verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. As I've already said this morning, about 1500 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was manifested in the flesh, 1500 years before Jesus came into the world, God put into place a system of animal sacrifices when he took the children of Israel to be his peculiar people or his special people and the Lord spoke to Moses placing upon the children of Israel a prohibition on consuming blood. They were not allowed to consume blood. In Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 11 the Lord said to Moses, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement or to make reconciliation for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Something special about the blood there. So much so that God has given blood to make reconciliation. What God said to Moses about the provision of blood in order to make atonement has its, has its fulfilment in the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has, by the shedding of his own precious blood and by sacrificially laying down his life at the cross like a lamb being brought to the slaughter, he has made atonement in that he has reconciled sinful men women, boys and girls, to a holy and righteous God. And don't imagine that that reconciliation is partial or that it's temporary. It is so complete that all who trust in Jesus, all who receive him as their saviour from sin, have the great privilege of knowing God and addressing God as Father That really is something. I think I've been talking about that quite a lot in recent times. It's obviously something that plays on my mind. Something that I think quite a lot about. And when you do behold the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, you look at Jesus, you consider him, and what he has achieved in that you if you are trusting in Jesus, are a child of God, and you address God as Father, you know God as Father, just think about that, and you will see how utterly ridiculous it is to even consider for one moment the possibility of losing your salvation. If you can fully grasp what it means to have God as your father, to be a child of God. There's no going back on that. 
And it's not dependent upon you. Even in this world, you get some wayward children, a lot of wayward children, rebellious children. But a father and indeed a mother who loves that child will never stop being that child's father, father or mother. How much more so is that going to be the case with God, a loving Heavenly Father? And so it is that the Lamb of God, the reconciliation that he brings, the peace with God that he brings is so complete that you, dear Christian, know and address God as your Father forever and ever. Amen. An example of Jesus being the Lamb of God can be seen in the Old Testament, Passover, sacrifice, at the time that God delivered the children of Israel from their oppression, their bondage in Egypt. Uh, We looked at that in the first reading in Exodus chapter 12. The Lord rescued the children of Israel from their afflictions in Egypt. He did so after inflicting ten plagues upon the land, the last of which was the death of all the firstborn. The Israelites were instructed by God to mark the doorposts of their homes with the blood of slaughtered lambs. And upon seeing this, the Lord passed over their homes. Hence the word Passover. The children of Israel, they daubed blood upon the doorposts and upon the lintels of their homes. And when the Lord passed over Egypt, he saw the blood and he did not destroy their firstborn. Consequently, every year, lambs were slaughtered in remembrance of that great deliverance by God of the Israelites. That Old Testament deliverance was a picture of a great redemption that was still to come. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as our Passover. Paul, the Apostle Paul, makes it very clear that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is our Passover. Since he was crucified at the time of the annual Passover remembrance, and just as the the Passover lamb, um, the blood of the Passover lamb caused the Lord to pass over the Israelite households in Egypt, the precious blood of Christ causes God's judgment to pass over all who trust in Jesus. As such, Jesus is the propitiation for the sins of all who trust in him in that he has appeased the righteous anger. That's what propitiation means. It's about appeasement. Taking away sins, but appeasing God at the same time. Appeasing the righteous anger of God towards sinners by the shedding of his own precious blood. Thirdly, the Lamb of God taketh away sin. We're told that in verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I don't know if you've got your own Bible on your lap and if you have, whether you've got a centre margin, 
If you've got all of that, then you might notice that taketh can also be um, written as beareth. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God which beareth away the sin of the world. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34, the Lord said, I will remember their sin no more. How about that? The Lord was speaking of a time to come, the new covenant, when he will remember their sin no more. Certainly he was talking about those from Israel, national Israel, who believe or would believe in the promised Messiah. But that verse also speaks to people now, Jews and Gentiles alike. I will remember their sin no more. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, the Lord said, Though their sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In Psalm 103 verse 12, we sung that psalm earlier. It is written that as far as the east is from the west, so far have he removed our transgressions from us. That's a long way, isn't it? As far as as the east is from the west. So far have the Lord removed our transgressions from us. And in Micah chapter 7 and verse 9, it is written, He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, our wickedness, And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So, those who trust in Christ, their sins are removed as far as the east is from the west and they are cast into the depths of the sea. What is written here in John chapter 1 and verse 29 also tells us a lot about how God deals with the sins of his people. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God, he takes away sin. That sounds very similar to what I've just been quoting from the Old Testament. Jesus takes away sin as far as the east is from the west and he casts those sins into the depths of the sea. Not only that, but the Greek word, as I've already said, the Greek word that is translated taketh away also means bear. For example, when Jesus was carrying his cross to the place of execution, we're told in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 32 that as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, Him they compelled to bear his cross. Simon was compelled to bear the cross of Jesus. Jesus, having already been beaten, scourged, he had great channels in his back filled with blood. He'd become weakened and tired, weary. 
And so Simon of Cyrene was compelled to bear his cross. That word bear comes from the same Greek word as taketh away. And they both apply to Jesus, who was the Lamb of God. He bore or carried upon himself the sins of those that he came to save. And he took those sins away as far as the, as the east is from the west. And that truly is amazing, isn't it? No wonder John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. Don't just look and turn away. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who bears sin, and he takes that sin away. The Old Testament Day of Atonement sacrifice may help us with our understanding of what I'm talking about here. I'll consider it very briefly with you. The Day of Atonement, just once a year, not any old priest, but the high priest, he entered into the most holy place of the tabernacle, and after that, the temple. The most holy place was a picture of heaven. And the high priest, he entered into that room just once a year with blood. He entered with blood from um, a goat for the sins of the people and he entered with the blood of a bull for his own sins for he too was a sinner. But with reference to the goat there weren't just one, there wasn't just one goat there were two goats. And what happened was one of the goats was slaughtered, sacrificed and the blood, as I've already said, was taken by the high priest into the most holy place and sprinkled upon the Ark of the Covenant. And there was, and he made atonement for, or rather the blood made atonement for the souls of the children of Israel. But also, there was a second goat. And the high priest, he would put his hand upon that goat and then release it into the wilderness. Just release it, gone. And that had the, the, the idea behind that was that the goat that was released, the scapegoat, took away the sins of the people. So you had the one goat that bare the sins of the people and uh, was slaughtered and the blood of that goat was sprinkled in the most holy place upon the Ark of the Covenant, but the second goat was released into the wilderness, taking away the sins of the people. That was all a picture of a a wonderful fulfilment in the Lord Jesus Christ, who bore the sins of all he came to save, He sacrificed, he was sacrificed at the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ laid down his own life at the cross, bearing away the sins of his people and he took those sins away. Can you see the fulfilment of the Old Testament Day of Atonement with the two goats? The one that was sacrificed and the one that took the sins away, released into the wilderness. 
Fourthly and finally, we shall consider what is meant by the world in verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Although it's Easter, and this is the first time I've mentioned Easter today, isn't it? But anyway, although it's Easter, would you go into Christmas mode just for a little while? Forget Easter, go into Easter, uh, Christmas mode for a moment. You may be familiar with Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, where the angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph and said to him concerning Mary, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. His people. So if we read that alongside verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, we see that the world doesn't actually mean every single person in the world. And perhaps instinctively you may have guessed that anyway. Or you should do. Jesus did not lay down his life as a sacrificial lamb for every person in the world. He did so for his people. Again, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She, sh- she, that's Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, meaning Jehovah saves. For he, that is Jehovah, the incarnate Son of God, shall save his people from their sins. In that verse, it's very clear that the Lamb of God was not slain for everybody in the world, but for his people. You might say that his people refers to the Jews. After all, Jesus, according to his humanity, was born a Jew of the house of David, the tribe of Judah. But then, what about all the Gentiles whom Jesus has saved and continues to save day by day. It's not just Jews, it's Gentiles as well. His people from Jews and Gentiles. The wages of sin is death, condemnation and everlasting punishment. But the good news is that the Son of God The Lord Jesus Christ has borne the sins of his people in his own body at the cross and he has taken those sins away so much so that all your sins are forgiven if you are his people, if you belong to Jesus. Your life has been redeemed from destruction by his precious blood. You have everlasting life in your risen Saviour who loved you and who gave himself for you at the cross. You have a certain hope of going to be with Jesus where he is. And where is Jesus now? He's not in the tomb. He's in heavenly glory. And you have that certain hope of one day going to be with him. It's a hope that reaches heaven. How wonderful is that? 
Therefore, I urge you to think beyond the Easter holidays, the chocolate Easter eggs, and all the other distractions that come at this time of the year. And consider the words of John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Show repentance towards God for your rebellion against him, such as all those many times that you have done that which is pleasing to yourself, but that which most certainly is not pleasing to a holy and righteous God. Repent for your total failure to love God with your whole being and to love your neighbour as yourself. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider him. Know that you are one of his people as this first becomes personal to you. Don't just look at it and move on. Make this verse personal to you. Behold the Lamb of God which beareth and taketh away my sin. How about that? That's something to consider. Make it personal, just as the hymn writer did, when he said, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Amen.